and welcome back to Season 2 of the Quince Flowers Podcast. On today's episode, Caitlin's chatting to Graham Davis, a returning guest, all about his dahlia growing down in Canberra. Now, while this was being recorded, uh, Canberra and pretty much the entire east coast of Australia was getting a whole heap of rain. So they start off talking a little bit about flood prevention techniques and when and when not to plant. Also slug prevention, which is always a big topic no matter where you are. They also talk about crown gall and leafy gall and identifying plants and strategies to avoid it having an impact on your garden. Really interesting stuff, actually. Then they get right into exhibition chat and uh, some, you know, secrets that Graham has learned over many, many years, uh, just laid on the table for us all to learn from. So with all that being said, time to pass it over to Caitlin. Now, um, Graham, you need no introduction for those playing at home, but could you just tell us a little about yourself? I know you're a return guest and um, we loved having you on the first time, so thank you again for joining us. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure. So for those that don't know who I am, I'm uh, Graham Davis, I've been growing dahlias for, well, I've been involved in growing dahlias for as long as I can remember, uh, on and off. Um, so some of the first photos of me are me wheeling, a, uh, of about a three-year-old wheeling a wheelbarrow around to the dahlia bed. So I'm, I've, I've sort of got brought up with dahlias. I've been, uh, I, li- I live in Canberra um, and I've been growing here for the past 22 years and then I grew here for a period before that as well and I've uh, managed to have a bit of success in the show bench around the place and I've managed to breed a few things that have done okay for me and some others so and they're the ones under the Wakefield name so things like Wakefield impersonator and uh, Wakefield anniversary which I think some people in Queensland have seen a few bit of um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Wakefield Conclusion, which uh, always surprised me. It hasn't done more than what it has, but uh, I think it's because people never learned how to grow it properly. But, yes, I've managed to breed a few a few dahlias that seem to have done reasonably well. What are you doing in the garden at the moment? Watching it puddle. Mm. Um so I'm not planting anything. Oh, well, at the moment I've still got tubers that I need to sort out. Um, but I won't be planting anything in any tubers or plants in the ground till probably the second week in November, mm-hmm. um, which is about normal for me. <laughs> so it's not as if I've, I'm putting anything back. Mm-hmm. Um, most of what I put in will be plants that are already growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will be cuttings, which mm-hmm. I'm taking now. Um, from the next, so cuttings I take for the next, actually for the next three, three and a half weeks will, or three weeks, will just about be ready to put in then. Um, so cutting, cuttings for the season will all be taken over the next month and that'll that'll make up the majority of what gets planted. Um, for some varieties that um, are what I describe as very slow, mm-hmm. uh, I'll put some in some tubers in pots and try and get them growing and so the plants are ready early. And I quite often have a little backup plant where I find the four or five small tubers of something and pot them up so that 
if I can't get the cuttings working, I've always got the, the tubers already going in pots, mm. um, which means if they don't, if they're not needed, they're pot tubers for next year, one way or another. So that gives me stock. Mm. Um, so I, I, I over cater for my planting requirements, um, but you can see that, that that's not putting a lot of tubers in the ground. Um, that's putting a, a lot of plants in. Um, and people think not planting till, well, actually some of those won't go until second half of November. People think I'll be running late, but uh, I won't be. They'll, they'll, they're already going and the soil doesn't really warm up to do much with it till mid-November anyway around here. So that should be just fine as long as the rain stops and I can somehow get out of the mud. Mm. And Graham, when is your first show? First show next year will be mid-February. Okay. So, so second last weekend in February uh, and then the last weekend in February and then uh, the first three weeks of March will be the main show season and then I get another, have another go at it for the Easter. Mm, the big one. Well, it's three shows in one, yeah. Uh, at that, that time of the year, you're sort of going, oh, gee, I wish I, I had some things that had hang on long enough. Mm. But uh, it's, really only, it's really only for most of them it'll be their second flush, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, they'll be good. So I'm not getting flower. I, I don't. I want my first flush of flowers to start mid-February yeah. and run through that month or five. It is a month. It's four weeks, five weekends. Um, that's what I want. That's what I'll be timing for and aiming at. Um, and then there'll be a second flush, which gets all compacted because the flat the, they come through quicker as the, the day length gets shorter, mm. and the second flush will come through over that period around Easter. And so, Graham, for those playing at home, I was following along with your um, Sydney Royal Easter Show um, activities. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's a week. It's a week long show as such, but during that show, you have yeah, it's, you exhibit three different times. Yeah, that's right. So I think it, the show runs for ten. The Royal Easter Show in Sydney runs for about ten days, um, and we go three times, four days between each one. So first show is on the first. The first. Session last year was on the for the dahlias was on the first day of the show. Um, they're four days apart, so you, you you go up, you stage your flowers, mm-hmm. you reco- you get back, you recover, then you go and work out what you're going to pick, pick it, take it up, stage it, get back, recover, work out what you're going to pick, <laughs> pick it, take it, put it in the car, take it up, stage it. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty hectic time, but it's uh, yeah. The, the flowers come through reasonably well, and by the third day of the show, the last one for you, you, Easter's being Easter being uh, well, it's not early, put it that way. Um, later part of April, um, it's the flowers are getting a bit thin, is a nice way of putting it. So you, they're not as good as they were a week earlier. Mm, slim pickings, but and you still did yeah. really well with that. Yeah, well, it's uh, you got to you got to give it a go, otherwise you'll never succeed. And you won a few medals, and I think your poms did extremely well. Oh, I had a few poms last year. I'll, yeah. I'll have to see if I can rescue some and get some for this year. Yeah, <laughs> they're not. Uh, 
Unfortunately, it's not actually the most. My, Linda Harris was my mm. best palm, and it's not the most re- reliable variety to uh, maintain. So I've got to got to work hard, like I do every year on it. Oh, it's, and- uh, <laughs> it's always a deep breath. Now, where have I got one that's actually growing? <laughs> where can I get it cutting? <laughs> What's not rotted? Yeah. <laughs> And I, I can now attest to how difficult Linda Taris is. You gave me a perfect pot tuber and I managed to rot it before I even saw anything. Yeah, well, that doesn't shock me, I can tell yeah. you. And, you know, it's, it's, really, it's hard work. <laughs> and I, love, I thought, I'll look after you. I treated it with so much care. Everything else was fine, just this one rotted. Anyway. Yep, pretty normal. <laughs> So this is a real testament to you being able to grow it because a lot of people I've spoken to have had it, just haven't been able to keep it, gave up. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. You had it once. Um, It's one of those varieties that you just have to be – it's it's very, very nice, but you just have to be persistent with it. Um, Otherwise, it's going to cause you – well, it's not going to be there. (laughs) <laughs> it's just not going to come like it happened to me. Um, yeah, it just goes away. Now, I saw a little post on Facebook around um, gall. Now, you and I aren't yep. an expert in this at all, but I know you've just been doing a little bit of reading on it. Is there? Have you found anything okay, interesting so, on it? Uh, there's lots interesting. Mm. Uh, as as there are with many things. Um, so the two types of gall, leafy gall and uh, crown gall, both of them are found in lots of other plants. Um, so crown gall is not uncommon in any plant of the apple, so related to apples or roses or anything like that. Um, so it's quite often in trees. Um, and crown galls, believe it or not, is is very closely re- related to to very beneficial soil uh, bacteria. Mm. So it's closely res- related to the rhizobia that uh, we want want on our legumes. Mm. It's one one paper I had a look at said you couldn't tell the difference between them much. Um, they look like they're pretty much the same beast, uh, but they're not exactly the same. I mean, there's clearly differences, but um, very, very closely related. Um, and there's a lot that of that bacteria, there's a lot of that sort of bacteria in the soil. So there's lots of, there's lots of, you can get your soil tested for it and I'll guarantee you'll find that particular type of bacteria there. It doesn't tell you anything. Whether you find the one that's nasty and will affect your dahlias is completely a completely more difficult thing. Uh, it's not highly. In, it, it, it won't jump from one dahlia to another and run around your patch. Um, keep it. Keep digging them out, mm. and uh, sensible hygiene, and you should be okay with it. Mm. Uh, and it's it's much it's. Described in much the same terms. I mean, look at the Royal Horticultural Society site. They describe it in much the same terms as they describe leafy gall. That is, 
it's not normally a major problem in the garden. Mm. Uh, so if you see it, get rid of it, mm. and that's a that's a pretty good start. Leafy gall is a different beast altogether, completely different bacteria. So, so crown gall is a major issue in nut production and uh, people that are worried about pecans and things like that. Uh, so it's a commercial, a bit of a problem in commercial propagation areas for those sorts of things. Leafy gall is a problem for commercial propagation and for people that produce thousands and thousands of seedlings or cuttings, uh, so mass production. Uh, it affects anything in the, you know, things like chrysanthemums, any of the daisies, anything, you know, it's the mm-hmm. same beast. Um, and you can grow plants with leafy gall. They can have leafy gall for years and grow fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you get these funny growths on them and they look weird and you have all of this stuff, but you've still got something that's growing. Um, leafy gall is a once again, it's a bacteria. It gets transferred in splashes of water primarily. That seems to be the primarily primary transfer. And the literature I read said uh, eight inches. Mm-hmm. So if you're growing your plants eight inches apart mm-hmm. <laughs> or such that the leaves are eight inches apart or less than eight inches apart, it can transfer. Mm-hmm. Remember the leafy galls on the plant. That is the bacteria is primarily on the plant right right near its base. There's not most of us grow our dahlias more than eight inches apart, so this shouldn't be a major. It's not going to tear through your garden in one year because of that. The other means of transfer that we we might worry about are, are on secateurs or snips or something like that. It's possible. Um, They've actually looked at this, and they can they can cause it to transfer between on on a second seconders to a healthy plant. But gee, you got to try. <laughs> you got to try really hard. Uh, so unlikely, um, but it does suggest good hygiene still matters. So clean if you when you're cutting your tubers up, etc. Good idea to clean your tools, um, and. The other thing with it is it's most active between about 5 degrees Celsius and about 30 degrees Celsius. So it, when it's cold, mm-hmm. it doesn't do much. If it's extremely hot, it doesn't do much. Mm. So spring and autumn is when it will get transferred around. Mm. Um, now, is it oh, – sorry. The one other thought with these, both leafy gall and crown gall, does it stay in your soil? Answer, yep, probably. <laughs> looks like it does. Looks like it can go into sleep mode and just mm. sit there until it's got something to eat. Uh, there's some suggestion that solarization will re- so so with both of them. What you're trying to do is reduce the chances of getting an infection. Mm. So there's some suggestion that solarization can help. Mm. There's some suggestion that well, waiting two or three years will certainly reduce the the likelihood of picking it up out of the soil. Mm. Solarising your soil will certainly help. Uh, but they don't really understand it and all particularly well. Uh, it's all a bit 
iffy mm. uh, because it's not actually, it, it's only a major problem in the very specific circumstances, and that's primarily in production, mass production facilities. Mm. Uh, this thing was described 100 years ago. Leafy gall was described 100 years ago. Crown gall's been around probably longer than that. It's not mm. like these are new, um, and yet they're not, they haven't been a major problem before. For most of us in home gardens, they're probably not going to cause a crisis or a disaster. But how come they've got into everything? How come you're seeing all of this stuff around? Well, mass production. Mm. If it gets into a mass production facility, they're growing their plants really close to each other. They're growing them with misting, mist irrigation. Mm. So the, the water splash everywhere. Yeah, you know, they go from one to the next to the next and uh, take over. Mm. Um, in both cases, uh, and certainly with leafy gall, this is the truth. Um, the person that's seen more of it than anyone else, I was hearing hearing them talk the other day on a podcast, and she said, "I can't tell you definitively if when I look at a plant if it's got <laughs> either." Mm. <laughs> You need to get it tested to know. Mm. So her advice was if you're going to do something drastic, like dig out a whole lot of plants and dig out a whole lot of soil or not use a whole garden bed again or something, yeah. make sure you, before you get that carried away, go mm. and get it tested. Now, can you get it tested in Australia? I'm not sure. So not, I don't know either. So, so um, yeah. I, you probably can, yeah. but uh, you probably need to talk to one of the universities or something mm. and find out if you're that desperate. But mm. I, I suspect we're over. Yes, good hygiene. Get mm. rid of this. Get rid of it when you see it, but mm. don't get too carried away about it. Yeah. So what do I do about it? Well, I grow everything in an, <laughs> anything comes new into my garden. I don't plant the tubers to start with. I've been I've already reduced the chance of a problem. Because while it says uh, you probably shouldn't propagate off the stock, mm. that's because there's a chance it'll have it. Mm. But you've got if you, if you're taking cuttings, it's got less chance of having it than if you put the tuber in. Mm. So you've already reduced that 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 problem. And by putting it in isolation or uh, quarantine, I get the chance to find out if I've got a problem. Um, in truth, I've seen I've seen what I would think. Uh, crown gall and leafy gall about two or three times each. Mm. Yes, and that uh, uh, Well, certainly not in my the stock that I've seen around. Mm. I've I've seen it in some other people's things. Yeah. Um. But but in mine, I have seen it, and I've mm. seen it for. I've seen these issues for. I've been. You know, I would have mm. seen it 20, 30 years ago. Um which point I was still doing the same thing I'd do now. Gee, that looks funny. Mm. Where's the bin? Yeah. <laughs> Just exercising caution. Yeah. If it looks funny, yeah. you're not happy with it, throw it out. Um, on the other side of the coin, I do worry that there are varieties out there which will become extinct mm. because they have a tendency to produce a lot of shoots. Mm. Yep. And I was I was cutting one up yes yesterday the day before I was got, cutting up a clump of it and I was looking at it saying yep you look just right mm. there's thirty shoots on this clump 
It's exactly <laughs> what I'd expect from this variety. Mm. Uh, it does it every time. I, I always plant green plants. It's never a problem mm. uh, with it because I, I, I only have one stem then, don't I? So mm. the multiple shoots from a tuber or clump don't bother me. But it always sends multiple shoots up. But they weren't fused. There was no indication of a mm. problem. It's just that's what that variety does. Mm. Now, if you're not careful, I can make those. I can make it look like those shoots are fused together. I just let the snails eat the top off the shoots three or four times, and I've got this big fused together lump of shoot mm. caused by the animal. <laughs> Not by the variety, yeah. uh, not by the plant being sick, but because I grow up from cuttings, the mm. fact it produces lots of shoots is not a problem to me. It's probably a good. But the thing. fact it produce the fact it produces lots of shoots mm. does not mean it's got a it's sick. Mm. <laughs> There's there was no sign of leafy gall on that plant the year before. There was no sign of fused shoots, and I know the variety, and I know what it does, yeah. and that's what it does. So I'll take my six or ten cuttings of it this year and plant out a few of them and that'll do. It'll be fine. And so, Graham, it goes back to also knowing your varieties, you know, knowing what the plant does. What does it usually do? So I was digging up some large and medium cactuses mm -hmm. the other day and I know those varieties and, I, and I'm, I'm digging them up. And was I particularly careful? Yes. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they have long, thin necks. They always have long, thin necks. And if I'm not careful, I'll break every single one of them. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, I was looking at Kenora Sunset and I no, I got enough stock of Kenora Sunset to keep me happy. Um, I won't grow that much of it. Um, but it's a variety that's it's actually quite a challenge commercially and it's a challenge for a lot of home gardeners and that's because it always has long thin necks and big clumpy tubers at the end of the long thin neck and if you dig it and you don't know what you're digging and you don't know what you're doing it'll, every one of them will have a broken neck before you get the chance to put it just to cut it up let alone put it back in the ground um so yeah you, it, it helps to know well what does that variety do well that's what i'll get i dig it it's all going to have thin neck it's not the worst of them, unfortunately, but <laughs> there are some others that have thinner necks and more problems. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, I had some really thin-necked dahlias and um, they were so thin that I've just checked a box out there today and they're just sort of rotted, but I've got a couple, rotted. which is fine. But I've had, I had like 15 tubers and I got about two out of that box because they're yep. just too thin. So this is what... This is why those particular varieties don't get produced on the mass production mm, yeah. process because they need <laughs> solid necks and, mm. uh, you know, they need, they need varieties like Cornell that you don't, you know, it's bulletproof. I can't break it. I can't break Cornell's neck because there isn't one. And I can't um, get rid of it. <laughs> no, it's a weed. It's, it's, a, a, weed. it's, it's a nice plant, but, yeah. you know. That's what that's what the, the if you want mass to, to mass produce, mm. that's sort of what you're going to be doing. Or you're going to grow a lot of cut, a lot of cuttings and sell only pot tubes. Mm. So you've taken the neck out of it. Just on that, I I think there's a a market out there for someone who, someone like 
um, that was a commercial grower that just sold potted tubers. I, I know um, Tim Jewett does it, um, but, you know, like someone like Halls of Hedden um, in Australia would be amazing as well. Oh, wouldn't it? Just being able to being able to get your cuttings of whatever the new thing you wanted yeah. <laughs> already set for, up for you. Wouldn't that be nice? And they even but, say, uh, like, how many to grow up, like, if it's early yep. flower, late flower. Oh, I love that website. So Halls of Hedden, if you're ever wondering, you've got a, you know, Kenora Challenger, how many to grow up, just have a look on their website and it's a real cheat sheet. Um, it is. Now, so in what, Australia, are four, four or five up the Kenora Challenger. Well, there you go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ask, need to look it up. <laughs> ask Graham Davis, which I do so often. <laughs> now, Graham, our lovely listeners have been sending in questions. Thank mm-hmm. you, everyone. Um, it's been awesome to see what you want to know. Um, and actually, we've had a question from a man named Graham Davis, something about growing <laughs> in mud. Do you know this man? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do know this man. <laughs> I think it was you actually yeah, yeah. Who said to me, it's better to grow in drought than it is. Yeah, well, it's, e- it's easier to manage drought mm. uh, as long as you've got the water supply to manage it because you can, you can get the right amount of water on them. Uh, when, it's re- when there's lots of rain, yeah, you, you, know, you can't. Ma- it, it, it's much harder to manage. So, I've got a, I've got two plots um, in one sp- one location, and uh, they're on the side of a slope. Um, you'd swear they'd be well drained. There's mm-hmm. no, there should not be any problem. Uh, but unfortunately, with the Canberra geography. Uh, we have shallow rock shelves that run under the ground uh, from the hill above it, and that just sends all the water straight down into my garden beds. Um, it's a bit like trying to garden in a um, well. It's a bit like having a spring in the middle of your <laughs> middle of your garden. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's wet. Uh, mm. So and yeah, that's that's proving difficult to deal with. Uh, it's fantastic in drought because it mm. just feeds whatever rain there is down, and there's lots of moisture. But at the moment, I've put in some raised beds, and when I say raised, they're raised about thirty centimeters above the ground, and I can use those, and they'll work. And I'm putting some drainage, well, attempting to put some ditches, et cetera, in the rest of it to try and make that work. Um, I know as soon as I do it, the rain will stop and that'll be the end of that and I'll have to get the watering system working again. But uh, as I didn't need to use the watering system last year at all, mm-hmm. uh, including for the raised beds, which I thought was a bit much, uh, I'm, I'm sort of looking at it going, mm, yep, I've got to get the water off here, but I don't know how to do that. Uh, so the soil is at the moment, well, as it's rained for the last day and a half, there'd be, be on the side of the slope. In any ditch I've dug out there, there'd be standing moisture, um, soil soaking wet, even in the raised beds. So the water's it's wet enough in the ground so the raised beds are still mud. Um, so I'll just plant plants. I won't. I can't plant tubers into that. Yeah. Um, 
dig ditches as much as I can, do some soil amendment to try and make up for the fact that it's been a swamp for two years uh, and see how we go. So that I think that sort of answers one of our questions about preventing rot. It's planting cuttings, raised beds, good drainage. Yeah, raised beds and good drainage is a good start. Um, but it, I think most growers that have grown for any length of time know that if you plant your dahlias out and then you get two inches of rain the next day, uh, and you've planted out in early spring mm. and it's cool, cold, there'll be a whole lot of them that don't come up mm. yeah. <laughs> if you're planting tubes. So um, now most, look, for the um, for 19 out of 20 years between 2000 and 2020, there was not a problem <laughs> doing it. Planting tubers. Yeah. One year there was a little bit of a problem planting tubers, but otherwise not a problem. This year, if I planted tubers, I'm pretty sure they won't come up. You know, some varieties might be all right, but uh, some of them have got bet, uh, better at swimming than others. Um, I can sort of guarantee the ones that will still be okay and the ones that won't. Well, I can guarantee the ones that won't. And I can sort of say the some of them might have survived. And, and Graham, do you but, find it's the ones you really like that that seem to disappear? <laughs> no, not really. No, 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 no. Not always. No. Um, some of them would. <laughs> In some yeah. cases, it is, but they're the ones you remember that you've lost. But. Uh, yeah. You know, some some that I've had a lot of success with, things like Devon Citation. It can swim a lot better than most of them. Uh, it seems to survive when it gets wet. It seems to be just a cracker. Like I've got a tube of it and it's so good with cuttings as well. No, it'll grow, grow very easily from cutting, very easily from cutting. But, yes, I... I uh, I, I, when creating the raised beds, I, I weeded my other garden last year and I put some of the, the weeds in mm. and I must have picked up a tuber. I picked up a couple of tubers and one of the tubers I picked up was a Devon Citation and it just grew like an absolute weed. Mm. Uh, awesome. <laughs> um, so it survived the mud and being ripped out of the ground in a weed and then... <laughs> <laughs> rotting down in a, in a compost effectively and then came up and it was happy as Larry. So, yeah, amazing what they can sometimes do. They do surprise you Where, sometimes. Whereas others, you look at them sideways and they'll rot. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, well, hopefully, yeah, it's a good a good season ahead with cuttings. Yeah, well, we've I've got a lot to take out there right now, so yeah. um, tomorrow I'd better take some. Yeah. So, um, Graham, just I've got another question, just about slug protection. What do you do? Slug protection is in large part um, good garden hygiene. Mm. Start with. so get your weeds out. Before you plant, get your weeds and your, your your patch cleared of weeds a couple of weeks before you plant, mm. so that you reduce the stock of slugs. Now, slugs love any any they'll eat anything green. So you know, hey, mm. don't give them food. 
don't mm. give them a, a supply of good stuff to eat. So good garden hygiene is a good place to start. Um, if you do find you've got a stock of slugs, uh, they do like a drink of beer. Um, so you can give them a bit of, you know, some beer traps is a way of thinning them out sometimes. Uh, don't have malt. If you've got moths, you've got to get rid of everywhere they can hide. Mm. This is what I mean by good garden hygiene. So have your soil dug. Well, not. I don't dig my soil a lot, but have your soil clear of all the things they can hide under. Mm. All the weeds, etc. all clear, so it's not a place they want to go mm. to start with. Uh Use some. You can use some beer traps to thin them out, um, and then there's some organic snail, slug and snail killers around that you can use if you 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 may well need to this year with all this rain. There's mm. going to be slugs and snails everywhere, and uh, if there's no, if there's a delicacy they like, it's a young dahlia, mm. um, or <laughs> even an old dahlia. In uh, last year, I was going through my plants, taking slugs off the leaves. To try and get rid of them, mm. you know, it was a daily visit to the patch and mm. pull the slugs off and see how many you get. Uh, once they get up into once they get up into the plant, of course you can't get them with snail bait or slug bait or anything like mm. that because they're up in the plant. They can just live up in the plant. <laughs> it was was moist enough for them to stay up in the plant, so you had to get mm. you had to get out there, you know, get out there at first light and pluck mm. the slugs off. What fun! What a fun job. <laughs> Things we do, hey. Mm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, there's no simple answer to when mm. they're the things you need to do. There's no mm. simple answer that solves it, mm. gets rid of them. They will be a problem for everybody mm. without without some form of uh, baiting, etc. Mm. But as I said, good the, the the standard thing of good garden hygiene will help mm. you a lot. So just on baiting, I have a naughty dash hound that did eat some snail baits last year. So just be careful. It was a very expensive trip to the vet. I imagine. <laughs> I imagine. So there is a, there is at least one of the snail baits available that is in tiny. It doesn't come in those pellets that you can okay. see. Yeah. Comes in tiny little pellets that are black. And once you throw it around, you won't know you've done it. And there's no way the animals can find it. It's organic. This you know. was organic too, but they still it still cost me a lot. Anyway, a lot of iron, huh? Yes. Overdosed on iron. Yeah, great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, if if you've got animals, use that little that really fine one rather than the. That's a good tip. The the, the bigger pellets, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Now we had a quick. We have touched on your storage method. In the last episode, so if anyone wants to hear about what how you store your dahlias, just go back to season one. Have you got any, you know, takes on storage? I think you mentioned last time um, trialing a few different methods, see what works for you. Would the, would that be relevant after the season you've had as well? I think people should still be trialing stuff, and it was a very a difficult season for storing. Mm. Uh, the tubers were full of water when mm. they were dug mm. and it was really hard to get them dry. Um, so, And if you didn't get them dry, there's lots of people out there with mould on their tubers or tubers have rotted. 
Yeah. Uh, I had a couple. That's because that's because you didn't get them dry enough. Mm. Uh, it's very humid as well, so it's made it. It's sort of made it even. It's compounded the problem. But the start of the problem was they were so full of water when they got dug up. Um, they don't store well if they're full of water. They have to dry out a bit. Uh, it's much better if they dry in the ground, um, but really hard for them to dry in the ground when it's a swamp. For mine, the storage of the pot tubers, I knocked a whole lot of pot tubers out. They were the first ones I, I, I pulled out. Um, they were because they were in pots. They were, they were dry. Put them in undercover for a few days before I knocked them out, so they dried out nicely, and they've stored very well, no problem at all. Mm. Straight into the plastic bag, straight into the storage, not a problem. Uh, and I literally did knock them out of the pot, put them straight in the plastic bag, and put them away. And mm. there's been no storage issues with the with the pot tubers. Um, with the other tubers where I spent, in some cases, three weeks trying to get them dry, uh, the, the storage has been much less, much more iffy. Not bad, uh, not terrible, I don't think, but uh, there's, not, there's no sign of too much moisture in the bags, but the tubers, some of the tubers uh, are still looking a bit iffy and I think they're still just too wet. Mm. Um, so there's not much we can do. You know, I it, I don't think it would have mattered how you stored those. They, there would have been an issue. There will be lots of storage disasters this year. Uh, part of it is because the ground's just so wet and people had people rushed to dig because the ground was wet, but mm. what they didn't realise was that may not have been making things better. Mm. <laughs> you still had to dry the tubers out, and that was really hard. Um you know, if if you possibly can wait till your soil is uh, reasonably dry before you dig, mm. uh, which in Australia is normally not a problem, uh, but has been this year. Maybe this year we'd have been better off storing just dig clumps and yeah. and and turn them upside down and then get them to grow again. Then after a few couple of months, just get cuttings off them mm. if you would going to store um, most of the tubers in the raised beds that I've been digging recently have been fine. They've survived. A, you get winter rain, don't you? Well, we did. Uh, well, no, so uh, June and July were quite dry. Okay. Um, uh, April, May was wet. Mm. Uh, uh, June, July was at the very dry end of the spectrum, not much rain at all. The ground was still wet because it was already wet, so it hadn't dried out much. And then, of course, August was our reddest, wettest on record. So, uh, and September's not much better, and October's started off with a vengeance. No, <laughs> uh, no, our average rainfall through winter was about 40 mils a month. Um, so we got about 140 uh, in August, something like that. So that's a lot of rain for us. Mm. This keeps going back to taking cuttings and the importance of stock pots. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how you go about taking cuttings? So I've got tubers in 
pots or in trays uh, sitting there at the moment, which are all shooting away happily uh, at this stage. So I, I would have almost all of the varieties that I'm wanting to grow this year would already be set up waiting for me to get cuttings off the plants. Um, and so from about now, you know, you could take cuttings earlier if you want to hothouse them, but mm. the truth is I'm planning out in, you know, mid early, mid, late November, uh, I want to take the cutting four to six weeks before I'm planning out. So that means I want to start taking cuttings about now. Mm. Uh, and... I'll take, you know, you need, uh, if if you just want to plant, mm. um, there's a bit of debate about this, but if you just want to plant, just take a, a four-inch cutting. Mm. It doesn't matter if you cut it a no, a below a node or in the middle or anywhere. Mm. Uh, you can have, as long as you've got a shoot at the top mm. um, and some small leaves, if if you want to give yourself more chance of getting uh, shoot or eyes on the resulting tubers, mm. I find it's better to take a cutting just below uh, node. Mm -hmm. At this stage, I think I should mention you don't take part of the tuber when you take a cutting. Mm. You are cutting just above where it comes out of the tuber, uh, and if you do that, you'll get two, four, six mm -hmm. new cut, new shoots come mm -hmm. away from where you've taken the cutting. Uh, I put those, I, th I then put those cuttings, got to remember I've got to write a name tag for them. Um, mm -hmm. If you're wondering what I use for name tags, uh, I, believe, I, I, th I think Officeworks calls them wooden coffee stirrers. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, when I was young, we called them paddle pop sticks. Right. I know what you're <laughs> uh, they work dead fine. Uh, you just write the name, and if you if you if if you're a bit like me and want to know how long it's taken, perhaps the date you took the cutting yeah. on the stick, uh, and you'll need a name for each each cutting you take. Then the cutting goes into a small 40, what are they, 40 millimetre by 40 millimetre mm -hmm. uh, by 40 millimetre grow wool cube, mm -hmm. which has got a little hole in it. Now, I use, you, you can dip them in rooting powder or hormone liquids or you can use the, which which is what I use, the, the rooted stuff, which you can just mm. squirt out of the, the, the container into the, each of the cubes. Mm. Uh, the cu Wet the cubes first. So I don't mean drench them. I mean wet them. There's a difference. Yes. And I, I, uh, I have made the mistake of drenching them and I've rotted the cutting. They're rot. Yeah. <laughs> they're rot. If the cutting in the cube is drenched, they'll rot. So I just take my cube in. Uh, I take six, they come in rows of six in the as I buy them. I take six in inside, run them under the tap, 
So they're wet from the top and then turn them over and run them under the tap so they're wet from the bottom. They're wet. Take them out. Put the put the growth hormone in, then put the cutting in, put the label on it. They then go into the, the incubator, as I call it, which is just to put a lid on them. Uh, those little plastic lids you can put on uh, seedling trays. It goes uh, onto the heat mat and sits in there for two weeks. Then they get potted up. Mm. And from this time of the year onwards, it's about a two weeks, maybe at this stage two and a half, but, you know, in two weeks' time it'll be two weeks' cycle. So that is they go into the incubator. i got a date on them after two and a half weeks now. I'll just take them out bottom up um, and 95% of those will grow easily enough. Um, there's the odd variety that won't. Um, some, are, some, are, you know, some of the big decks are a bit of a problem because they come with hollow stems the first time up. Mm. That won't grow. It's got a hollow stem. Your cutting will not grow. Mm. Um, so don't bother. Cut it off. Get the next. Get the next lot of uh, shoots. Um, but then that's it. They get potted up after two two and a half weeks. Put in the shade for another week or so. Uh, so they're potted up into three or four inch pots with some sort of general purpose potting mix. Uh, given a light feed when they get put in the put in the pots. Kept in the shade for a week, ten days. Then they go out into slightly more sun, and then after about a week there, they can be planted out. So it's about about a what do you about a six week sort of turnaround? Four to six weeks. Four to yep. six weeks, depending on the variety. And Graham, so just everyone, you, you get the clump initially. Do you put that on heat to wake it up, or you just put it in some? Uh, if if I'm wanting to get it going early, I put it on heat, but. Yeah. Most of the time, you for most varieties, you can just stick them in a pot or yeah. stick them in a in one of those seedling trays. Yeah. Put a bit of potting mix around the base and just stick it out there and say grow. Yeah, in a little bit of sun, a little bit of moisture, a bit of warmth. Yeah, don't get don't, don't put them outside in minus two or three. Mm-hmm. You know that doesn't help them much. Yeah. It says he that did it in minus six. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. Few and things didn't like that much, but anyway. I can't imagine they would. Oh well, Grant, you gotta do what you gotta do. And so then you get the cutting, don't actually cut the tuber itself, cut just below an, a leaf node close to the tuber. Um yep. and you do it a couple inches, you know, you let it oh, a couple inches as long yeah. is 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 perfect. You know, yeah. you don't want them too big, otherwise they're they're hard to deal with. Yeah. Um so some of them produce long, particularly tall varieties, produce long mm. shoots that come out and, you know, like they're a Christie? bit annoying. Did you- oh, Kim's Christie, yeah, that would yeah. have a long shoot on it. Holy it's one of, my, one of those lasso yeah. varieties. You, you've got to lasso it to get it back down where you can find it. I actually um, just yes. cut the top off it. Yep, that'll be fine. You can take the cutting anywhere. You don't need to take it right down near the near the tuber, you can take, you can let it grow that first internode and take it below the next one. Um, 
and some of those varieties, it's easier to do that because you really want a two to three inch cutting. You don't want a long cutting. Mm. And wouldn't fit in just little incubators either. No, no, they can get too long, some of them. And, Graham, all that stuff that you mentioned, like the grow wall cubes, which I'm using and I, I really like, all of that stuff you can get on eBay. Um, I even it's easy enough to get online. Yep. Yeah. And then with your little um, boxes, the clear plastic boxes, your incubators, that just provides a little bit of humidity, doesn't it? That, and yes, then- you don't. With, with that, so there's... The seedling tray goes in a base, and then the incubator gets the, the little plastic lid gets put on top. They will, I, I will mist those seedlings a couple of those seedlings, those cuttings a couple of times a day, if I remember, um, through that two week period. But I'll be unlikely to, I, I wouldn't water them. Just keep an eye on them. So, so too much water has killed more cuttings than too little has, I think. I can also attest to that. <laughs> I think I've done everything wrong. But it is, it's just yep. a trial and error process. And once you find your method, keep going. That's right. That's right. And some of them are harder to take cuttings from than others. Yeah. I mean, the, so the easiest things to grow cuttings from are things like uh, Kenora Challenger or Hamari Accord. Or the easiest of the lot I've found is cricket. It just grows from a cutting. You look at it sideways and it grows. Um, Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's one I don't even quite often don't even bother with a cube with. I just get a get a get a pot, stick yeah. it in straight in the pot, and let it grow away from there. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it it just grows. It's 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 always happy to grow from a cutting. So, uh, and they're they're good for, for me. They're yeah. good varieties. I, I mean that means I can get my stock easily um, and I don't have to fight with cutting up all these tubers. Mm. Um, whereas there's there's some others which are, there's two things that, or well, three things that make it difficult. Ones that produce very few shoots mm. and the ones they, and some of those produce thick, big, thick single shoot from a clump mm. or something uh, mm. and they make life difficult. Mm. Uh, good idea to start them early and then lop them off and then get the second flush of shoots. They tend, they, most of those tend to be big decorative varieties. Um, mm. uh, so things like Brian R, which I get angry at every year. Um, then there's those that just don't move. They mm. just sit there and look at you and they don't put a shoot up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't give you an eye and you can look at the whole clump and you still haven't got an eye and you go, is this thing going to grow? Mm. Uh, so there's a few varieties like that. Um, they will eventually grow, but they're really hard to get cuttings off if they start growing in mid-November. Mm. Um, so they can be a bit annoying. Um, <sighs> and I know those varieties I know which ones they are too, and I might grow their one year in two because mm. they annoy me. Um, I know how to force them to send a shoot up. It's easy, but you've got to get round to it and do it. And uh, so how and do you the third, do that? Oh, sorry, Graham. Sorry, that's fine. How do you do that? Well, you yeah. don't plant the tuber for 12 months. Um, uh, <laughs> it'll send an early shoot up then. So <laughs> you... 
you grow, you have it as a stockpot. You stress, yeah, you stress it, uh, stress it out of existence. So I guess it'll grow. (laughs) It'll send shoots up early. (laughs) So on those stockpots, I've got a few stockpots here, and um, holy mackerel, they're jumping out of their skin. Yep. So that's that's a benefit. You have a stockpot. Um, you don't let it flower. You get cutting from it early the next year. Yep, that's right. Because and you might want to throw you, you might want to throw that out after you get cuttings off it one year and put another yeah. one in. So yeah. put put the so if you've got a tuber of you know in my case Canora Sunset. Well, I I I had a tuber of it last year. I took cuttings off that tuber, but I left it in the pot as a stock pot. Well, I can, I'll go take cuttings off it uh, tomorrow because um, they're jumping up, lots of them. Uh, but then I'll um, I'll throw that pot away, throw that, that clump of tubers away after I get my cuttings off it. So in about two or three weeks' time, it'll just go in the bin. And I'll put another tuber of Kenora Sunset into a pot and it'll be next year's, so it's ready to go. So it's 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 a bit more than just a pot tuber. It's a pot tuber treated very badly through the growing season. <laughs> so it's it's desperate to grow. Mm. I've got to get going early. Uh, and the third ones that could cause you the the difficulty are varieties that just, and there are a few that just don't want to root, that just take a long time to get going. And I I personally think that's because they haven't had cuttings taken off them for a very long time. Um, and they've just got to be, well, what, what the old timers would call freshened up or cleaned up. Mm. So you've got to take cuttings off them for two or three years and then it, suddenly it becomes easier. So... When I first got Linda Harris, I remember taking the first cutting off the tuber, took a deep breath, took the cutting off, mm. waiting for the next lot, put it in and put it in my incubator. Not a sign, not a sign for six weeks mm. that it was going to grow. Mm. And then it's sort of, I think I took eight or ten cuttings that year and three of them grew. And I got those through, <laughs> and, I took, and and this after about three years, the cuttings were coming away at the same rate the cuttings were for everything else. So it was just that it had got, I don't know, tired, um, and, and and picked up whatever little bugs it had picked up. I, it, it's it it's hard to tell, but it's just a pattern that evolves. I. You know, what I did with it didn't change, but after two or three years of taking cuttings and taking cuttings and taking cuttings, I I seemed to have uh, stock that would grow from a cutting much easier. Right, and that's what you need with Linda Harris. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you, don't, if you don't take cuttings of Linda Harris, you probably won't have it. And, Graham, when, like, uh, I'm at the stage that I've probably um, got enough cuttings of some varieties, Devon Citation being one of them. You always have too much Devon Citation. I was like, yeah, yeah, I love Devon Citation. But um, do you ever, like, I've got enough cuttings, I actually feel like I've probably tired the tube out. Are you ever 
that screwed you that you then plant the tuber or you just say oh, look, unless I'm unless I'm desperate yeah uh, which is pretty rare uh, on the variety uh, mm. I'll throw it away yeah just get rid of it yep or um, leave it in the tr- leave it in this tray or the pot till next year and then get cuttings off it again. <laughs> well, that's what I'm doing with Lady Isabella. Someone, I've got a tuber that's yeah. taken heaps of cuttings off it, but it's not waking up. So I don't know if if it's just dead or it's just too tired. It might might be might be might might have had it. I think it might have had it anyway. Another problem, another day. <laughs> now, with, yeah, you never know. No. With those cuttings, so you, you can plant later, which is good, so you can avoid this spring rain. But is there any that you found that grow better or any varieties that you found that grow better from a tuber opposed to a cutting? Oh, yeah. I, look, all, almost all water lilies, are, in my experience, are better grown from a cutting. Mm. Um, certainly varieties like figurine and um, cameo and uh, the likes of that you might you're much better off using cuttings, I think. Um, if you are growing, if, if it's a variety that goes over size all the time, uh, so you want to grow it down, maybe you might want to grow something like Nuruma Princess from a tuber mm. just to see if you can get it a bit smaller. Mm. Um, I see some people in Queensland growing Nuruma Princess. It's good to see. Mm. Um but the, the problem I had with it was um, it was the third session of the Royal Easter show before I got it under the rings. Oh, <laughs> a big one. Is it an old variety? It's been around a long time. It was bred down in, uh, funnily enough, it was bred in Naruma. So, uh, so it's, it's, but it's been around for a few, yeah, oh, gee, what it must have been around 50, 40 or 50, 40 years. Yeah, probably about forty years. It's a lovely variety, but yeah, I can't. I struggle to get it small enough, which is what my growing conditions are and how I grow my plants. Obviously, for other people, they may not have the same issues, but I suspect on sand it grows a bit smaller naturally. Mm-hmm. So, but in my in my conditions, it just ugh, just got too big. <laughs> Oh, it'd be amazing to have a giant water lily, I've got to say. But um, Well, anyway. it was easy enough to grow a medium one. Wow. Um, I remember 30 years ago I grew mm. a variety, 30, more than 30 years ago I grew a variety called Fern Irene. And, yeah, it, 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 it was very easy to get it to the, <laughs> up to a medium. I reckon you could have grown it to a large if you tried. Well. <laughs> Why not? Um, Graham, I've got a question here. It's, it's non-specific, and I think I know the answer the, to this, but do you have like a staging secret or some staging secrets you could share? Staging secrets. Have good flowers to start with. Yeah. Um, that's the key staging secret. Um, mm. So you really want, if you've got good stems, um, and you, you know, you. I think I talked in the last last time I talked with you about using wires to get the flowers, the stems straight, and the flowers at the right angle. Um, that makes it much easier to stage them. Uh, start your uh, one of the things that 
I do is I, I will walk around my garden early, say the show's on Saturday. Mm. I might walk around my garden on the Sunday or the Monday before and I'll identify the buds or the, the partially open flowers that I think are likely to be the ones I might use. Mm. A bit hard to do with palms, uh, but for... Um, <laughs> Uh, but that, but I will have with palms too. I will have looked to see well what are the ones that I expect. And there might be thirty of them, and I might get ten of them. Those, um, but I'll I'll make sure they're set up right, mm. so that they're for the for the giants. They've got a wire on them, or the largest they've got a wire on them. They've got a an umbrella over them if they need that, etc. Mm. For the little ones, they're not not going to bash themselves to death. Um, for the palms, they've had the calyxes taken off them. Uh, and then as the week goes on, I'll have a look at each of the flowers as they open. Mm. And you might find on Wednesday afternoon or something, you're looking at a small cactus and it's got one uh, petal that's not right. You know, it's deformed or something. Pull the petal out then. Don't leave mm. it there. You might find and you've got a big deck that some insects got and take on a munch out of one mm. of the petals. Well, pull it out on Wednesday. Mm. Don't wait till Saturday. Uh, let the flower adjust itself. So you, you're starting the staging process in the garden. Mm. Um, and then so I'll pick early, very early on Friday morning for a Saturday show, so I'd pick it. Two or three in the morning for set on Friday for a Saturday show. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the Thursday, I'll have gone around and identified what I want to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, I'm lazy and I just identified in my head and I know where I'm going to go. But mm-hmm. if I was being serious, I might yeah. put markers on each of the flowers so that I know which ones to go and pick and don't have to think about it. Uh, Normally I don't need to do that. Uh, I don't have enough, so I can keep track of all, all the ones I need to pick. Um, so I'll, I'll, when I pick them, I'll go through the process of cleaning them up a little bit and wiring them to carry them. So when they, when they go in, they get picked, they get cleaned up a little bit, the bottle wire goes on them for the carrying and then they'll go in the bottle and be plugged um, and Put in the crates, um, so I'm I'm sort of ready. I've, I've I've done a bit more staging, and I'm ready to carry them. Uh, then, depending on when I've got to leave, I'll have sorted through them and know what's going where. So I'll have already said, okay, they're the flowers I'm going to use in class one. They're the flowers I'm going to use in class two. They're the flowers I'm going to use in class three. That's and it doesn't have to be exact, but I've pretty much worked it all out. And they'll go in the crates so that they can come out of the crates ready to go into those places. I don't have to sort flowers when I get to the show. Um, and, of course, while I'm doing that again, I've done another little bit of fiddling with them uh, to get them right and then off to the show. Now... Uh, turn up to the show knowing what you're going to do. I always take my own table mm-hmm. well, <laughs> so that I'm not not relying on anyone else. So it's yeah. my briefcase. So I walk in. The, I walk into the show venue with my table in hand yeah. um, and set that up. 
that's partly because I'm that way. I'm guaranteed table space, and partly mm-hmm. that what because I it I've got a little table that goes up to bench height. Uh, much better on my back. I can mm-hmm. deal with the flowers at uh, at the right height as opposed to bending over to an ordinary height table. Then I just sort through them as I go. So I I can then now if you arrive at three o'clock in the morning, don't. Do the water lilies first. Uh, they're still asleep. Start with the decks. <laughs> and then do the semi-cactuses. <laughs> and then by the time you've done all of those, then do the palms and the balls. <laughs> and then the things that go to sleep might be starting to wake up. So the the little cactuses and the 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 uh, incurved cactuses and the the water lilies will do them at the, towards the end of the staging period when they've had a chance to come back to life. Because mm, they close up. There's they? A, yeah, there's, un, there's one other trick that I'll mention, and that is um, one of the a, a significant fault in many of the little cactuses we have, the small and the miniature cactuses, is they don't roll properly. Mm. They don't roll up properly. Um, so they don't roll more than half, or, so they're not a cactus, and they don't roll to a point at the end of the petal. Mm-hmm. Uh, one way you can in, well, you can encourage them to do that rolling, and also mm-hmm. helps with time. So you can pick Wednesday night for a fr- Saturday show, the mm-hmm. little cactuses, or Thursday morning doesn't matter, mm-hmm. uh, and put them in a dark cool place or even put them in the fridge Mm. and you'd be surprised how much they'll roll over a couple of days Mm. put in uh, uh, now there are some that it's even trickier than that what you do is you put them under the bench when you arrive at the show in the dark and spray them with water Mm. (laughs) that'll cause them to roll even further oh okay that's such a good trick (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I prefer not to grow varieties that require you to do that. Yeah. I want them to actually do the job for me, not not me have to make the flower. Not yeah, have to fiddle so much. Yeah, so so, but it, it's certainly the cactuses and even some of the semi cactuses that take the most staging. Um, I'll mention one other trick. I may be shot for this by those that know it but uh, if you look at some of the decoratives small medium even some of the large decoratives they're not round mm-hmm. right they've got flat sides or flat you know mm-hmm. there's one particular variety in all of its offspring that have a flat side of between nine and 12 o'clock mm-hmm. and every time you look at it it's flat and then you see one that's round and you go, how the hell did he get that to go round? <laughs> what have they done? Mm. What, you know, how come they got lucky and it's round and the next week you look at the same person's flower and it's round? And you go, how come they've got it to go round? What they've done is they've gone in underneath the petals through the plant, through the flower, and lifted up the petals on that flat side. So they've gone in under one low, one row of petals, gone in under the next row, lifted up, lifted up, lifted up, lifted up, mm-hmm. so that it becomes round. So sort of like massage them 
into shape. Yeah, it's, you, I, I suggest people try it on flowers before they go to a show right. so they can work out how they're doing it. Yeah. But, yes, you, you're just putting the getting the petals to sit where you want them to sit. It's amazing what so, we do. <laughs> well, the, there's a couple of tricks. So, yeah. And that's, they're, they're really for... for for me, I want to grow varieties I don't need to do that with. Um, that would be my preference. Um, but then I must admit there have been days I've spent half an hour on one flower. Mm. Must have been a good one. <laughs> I've got best in show, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd oh spent half an hour on it before I left home and I'd spent half an hour on it when I got there and then I spent half an hour on it before the judge got to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> so much work. It didn't look the same flower that between when I first started with it and when I finished with it, it looked quite different. Um, but, I yes, a lot patience. of work. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I had that patience. I don't. <laughs> hey, Graham, now this is a, a hard question. It's tips to get fimbriated and anemones to grow their best. Oh, well, they're really they're they're dahlias. Mm. So, what makes us think we need to grow them differently? Um, so, uh, the anemones are probably best grown in much the same way as you grow a miniature cactus mm. or a miniature deck. I think we sometimes forget that they're trying to grow a flower that's the same size. As those things, they're not palms, so they still need to be disbudded. Mm. They still need to be uh, grow the right number of branches, etc. Uh, for the fims, once again, you need to get grow them with the right number of branches. So you need to know the variety, and personally, you want to make a choice about what size you're growing it. So. If it's, a, if it's a medium, grow at six or seven up. If it's a small, grow at eight or nine. So there's one that, that I quite like, and I might mm. put a bit of it in this year, Judith Taylor. Mm. And I can, it's consistently grown right at the top of the small, so right on the margin of the medium ring. Mm. People grow it there all the time. That's nice, mm. but it's probably it's probably at its best about that size too. Mm. So that's the size you want to grow it. But gee, that's annoying. You know, is it a small? Is it a medium? Mm. What have I got here? I need to make up my mind. You know, mm. make up. So it's a good idea to make up your mind before you start growing it. Mm. The one thing that fims are a bit different with is if you try and push them up too far. Mm-hmm. That is, try and push them up in size. They have a bit of a tendency to throw pin petals. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a general comment. You know, it can be the same with some of the cactuses if you push them up too far. Yeah. Uh, so don't try and grow it oversized. I suppose make up your mind what size you're growing it and grow it to that size. Don't try and grow it as a you know, don't try and grow something that should be grown as a medium or just into the large as a giant. Because mm. uh, I can can tell you, it'll it might look all right, but it'll be full of pennies, and uh, 
I'm not going through and plucking them out. <laughs> so just for those at home, it's literally they're like they're the size of a pin and they're distracting. They're just these long, thin petals that don't make sense. Yeah. They, they, they break the form of the flower up. Mm. You may not even see it. So for exhibition purposes, it's pretty important not to have them there because that the, they, they take a lot of points off, well, a lot of points off for form. Uh, the judges will see it, but for most people that are looking at the flower, you probably don't even see them. There's a few varieties that have a terrible tendency to do that. Um, well, in, for, for me anyway, in my climate, um, and, you know, I can almost guarantee if I see flower of that variety. The fimbriateds do tend to have be one of those things that will give you pin petals if you're not careful. So don't over, don't try and overgrow it. I it's tempting. I like to grow everything big, but <laughs> and there's no. I was just checking the Queensland schedule. There's no size limitation for the fims. So no, no, you can grow. So Anything. there's some will grow, some will grow giant. Mm. That's fine, and they they grow them giant. That's okay. Show and tell. Uh, yeah, show mm. and tell will go giant. So grow it giant. That's mm. that's perfectly fine, but. Uh, there are some others which, if you try to push them up too far, they'll they'll get pin petals in them. Mm. So things like alessia or granite embers, if you push it up, push either of those up too far, mm. I'd be searching for the pin petals. Mm. There's there speaks. There speaks the voice of someone that's been terribly disappointed on more than one occasion, thinking, gee, that looks nice. It's growing well for me. And you can't have a close look at it. Yeah, it would be. Mm. <laughs> Overcooked that one. Whereas if it comes down, it, it's just got to come down that little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. But they just have a they have a bit of a tendency to do that. But otherwise, they're just dahlias. You grow them as dahlias. They're mm. nothing different. Just look after them, plant. And I think also find yep. good varieties of anemones. You know, there's definitely some that are better than others. Oh, absolutely. There's lots of different anemones starting to come on the market mm. now, and you've got to pick the ones you like, but mm. also pick ones that grow well and produce lots of flower. Mm. Um you know, that's if I was going to grow a miniature cactus, I want ones that grow well and produce lots of flower. I'm going to grow a mini deck or lots ones that grow well, produce lots of flower. I'm going to grow a, an enemy. I want the same thing. And Graham, I know you did a little trial this year of growing in pots. Can we hear the results? I so I grew a number of varieties late in the season in quite large pots. Mm. Uh so late in the season made it hard for them. They were in a reasonably shaded area without much sun this year because it rained too much. Mm. Uh, they grew well, generally. Mm. Uh, some were more suited to pots than others. So I'd say that the varieties that don't grow very tall were quite happy yeah. growing in the pot. The ones that would like to grow taller found that just didn't work at all in the pots. Mm. Um, and certainly the ones that came through early were quite nice uh, in some of the 
Uh, so, well, some of the medium semi-cactuses, for example, grew, grew as well as I've grown them mm. in the pots. Now, I had to reduce the number of laterals. I wasn't growing as many as much flower on them as I would out in the garden. But they were quite nice, um, some of them, um, but much smaller plant, much less production. Mm. So maybe that's just saying sometimes we we might be overgrowing some of our flowers, mm. <laughs> a bit more refinement. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it can be done. It can be done, but, yeah, pick. Pick things that don't grow too tall. That yeah. would be my first recommendation. Don't cry. Don't cry and try and grow giants in pots. That's probably a recipe for disaster. Mm. Uh, well, you can try, but they're not going to get the same size in them. Um, even larges are a bit of a struggle. Uh, but any, you know, mediums, smalls, they're fine. And palms, you know. Yeah, palms are fine yeah. in pots. Yeah, it's probably not a bad idea to grow a few a few palms in pots. Yeah. That way, you know you still got them. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Graham, I think we'll finish with. Now, this is probably hard to answer, but the dahlia that you're most looking forward to seeing this year. Oh, that's always hard to answer. Mm. Uh, the first really good one. Um, <laughs> non-specific. <laughs> yeah, no, it's always non-specific. Uh, you know, the first really good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't have. Um, I don't have any one particular dahlia that I'm. I'm waiting to see. Well, how good is that? Mm. Um, it's always a. I, I, I'm always waiting for all. To see what's going to do well, mm. um, so you, know, you grow as many different ones as I do. Okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah, every season's different. And exactly right, Graham. I'm I'm wondering what are your goals for the season ahead? What are you hoping to achieve? Grow some decent plants. Um, <laughs> In rice fields, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I overcome the swamp. Uh, yeah. that, that's my primary goal at the moment. Um, reasonable. Yeah, reasonable. I want, I, I, I want plants that I'm happy with producing flowers that I'm happy with, and then after that, that that'll that'll do me. From there, it's up to me what I do with them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to five shows plus the royal. I'd like. To have these, I'd like to have good flowers to take to each of them. That's mm. well, actually no, I I just committed to go to a sixth one. So six shows plus the rock. I'd like to have good flowers to take to all of them, or at least flowers that I'm proud of. So that's yeah. the goal. Um, and then after that, it's all in the hands of luck the, mm. and, and the judges or whatever. But uh, I'd like the plant to do that. That means having the plants growing well. So that's the last year. I wasn't that happy because because I had too many plants swimming. Um, so I didn't get the quality of flower across the board that I wanted. I got some nice flowers, 
got mm. some really good flowers at times. Uh, but I didn't have the consistent quality all the time mm. and I'd like like to see that a bit better this year. That's fair. And it's a long season in Australia, so I think that's, yeah, it is hard, especially with all the rain. Well, that's that's my problem at the moment is the ground is just too wet for me to do anything with, and if it stays that wet, it's pretty hard to grow them well. Mm, absolutely. Well, Graham, all the best for the season ahead. Thank you for joining us for season two. I just learned something, so thank you. Hopefully people find it useful. I reckon they will. Have a good evening. Thanks, Graham.